Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio hotler. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. You know, folks, it's, you know, the people are polarised. They either like oysters or they don't like oysters. I mean, it's good. It's not like, sometimes I like oysters. You never find people like that. And so it's it's good to know that, that you do like an oyster. Mmm. <laughs> Especially a, ch- a picnic oyster. How good were they? I mean, who would know that you're even here? They're lovely. And what a good idea. I had my mouth full then. Good, good idea nice some oysters. Tasmanian oyster. But I'm, I'm not a fan of, of sourdough bread that's hard and just overly dense. No, you're right. Bread should be light and fluffy. Well, what do you think of that? But although it does, does go quite well with that, doesn't it? Because of the texture of the, uh, the oyster. Well, it's a bit like rye bread, this, isn't it? What is it? What is it? Yeah, it's a it's a dark sourdough. Yeah. Anyway, this is all very nice. We're here on the balcony of um, Fogs HQ. That's right, Fogs HQ. Overlooking the arrow. On a rather steamy s- night. Steamy and still mm-hmm. warm evening, having travelled up from Balnari. Down on the morning to Peninsula, yes. We've had a pleasant weekend at a very close friend's 50th birthday. And... Very good meat. I mean, I w- was had it, folks. I-, I think that when you start to talk about meat, that must mean we're, we're, we're coming to we're coming to, to the beginning of the show. Now, do you want to do the intro? It's one ninety nine point nine two. And since you haven't done one for a while or this year, it's over to you, folks. And off with the banter and on with the show. Welcome, viewers. Getting close. But not quite there yet if you're expecting this to be the much anticipated episode 200 of Radio Hot Lap. Sorry, you're out of luck. Not it's, yet. No, it's still episode 199.92. We're not dragging it out, out, are we? Anyway, welcome to that show, which is all about. The Seinfeld of motor racing. It is a show about nothing. All about nothing about motorsport, both local and international. We've taken an amusing and sometimes even informing look at what's happening in in the world of motor racing and other vehicular sports. Vehicular? Vehicular. Cool and emerging tech. We take a look at that. Technologies. Yes. Food and, of course... Barbecues, and it is barbecue it is. time, and we'll get on to barbecues, which we have had an evening of last night, very, very good. But tonight, seafood night. As I said, prior to the show, cooked Tasmanian prawns, who, <laughs> which are thawing at the moment because we're a bit late into the Richmond Oyster Bar to pick them up, but they, they're fresh they, as. And these have not been swimming in the Huon River. 
No. And some have been, have which they? we will get onto later. I've no idea where they come from, except presumably Tasmania. Stage three of the rest point. Ti no, they're tiger prawns. What am I talking about? They're tiger prawns. I keep getting my tiger prawns mixed up with my Tasmanian oysters. So I don't know. You think they're Tasmanian the, tiger prawns? No, I don't think so. I think I'm at West Coast tiger prawns. Ah, uh, who knows? Who knows? But they're Australian. They're not the nasty ones from Vietnam. So, and as we speak, such a, is the wonders of technology. The Australian Open men's final is being played before our very eyes and ears. You used to be a bit of a... You actually... Yeah. Djokovic versus Nadal. Yes, this takes me back to a, a former part of my career when I was on the tennis circuit and covering it. It was back in the great days of Borg and McEnroe, Jimmy Connors, Hat Do you know Cash. that before your time in Formula One and, and, and more and local motorsport, you were ten years on the circuit? Before Formula One, certainly, yes. So, um, I always keep an eye on the Australian Open. There's been some uh, interesting matches along the fortnight of the Australian Open. Big crowds, as usual. Filthy weather to play tennis in. But anyway, the big games tonight. We had the Grunter versus the Squealer last night, and the Squealer didn't win. But most importantly, folks, when there's seafood, there's a nice wine. What are you having tonight? Well, it's in a beautiful bottle for a start. It's almost a work of art on its own. And it's uh, Swords Select um, Swing Top. That refers to the bottle, which is like something that you, in an Italian restaurant they'd give you your water in, isn't it? With the, yeah, it's like a, 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 the pop top, a, a disagonal yeah. um, bottle. It's mm. um, sort of almost like teardrop, like an old lift off the side of a building. It is. It's perfect for salad. We're enjoying a... Pinot Noir from the Bellarine Peninsula, which is Bellarine Peninsula is on the other side of Port Phillip Bay, along the on the Geelong side. It's a 2010, but um, and it's very nice, I must say. But the the thing about it is that it's uh, organic, isn't it? Organic, and uh, it's a litre. Yes. But um, look, you've had a mouthful, and uh, what do you what do you what do you think of the flavours? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you know, I know you're not much of a, an expert on this, but You'd be able to conjure up a bit of an idea. Well, as I said, it it's, uh, goes down very easily, and it leaves this sort of smooth lingering of fruit tannins, and that's always good. Mm, that is always good, isn't it? Yes, as we say. But anyway, and it's quite fruity. As you said, it's a litre. It's what about fifteen bucks a bottle? It's fifteen bucks a bottle, yeah, and you get three bucks back if you take the bottle back from where you bought it. But I think that that's the perfect bottle to be keeping in the fridge. For oh, no, it's a, a cordial, It's a cordial bottle. It's a keeper. It's not going back to the shop. So there we go. Or to Adelaide. So it looks like you get a couple of little gems. And I'll give you the account for the six bucks. Right. Very good. So we have a whole world of motorsport ahead of us this year. Exciting 2012 dawns. The motor racing world is starting to awaken. We've had events like the Monte Carlo Rally, Been and Gone. Where some interesting things came about, where Sebastian Auger had uh, moved to Skoda and managed to punt his S2000 into third place on the first day before barrel rolling it into a napkin. Yeah, he was but, pretty but competitive. Yet, yet, yet very happy from, mm. from the bosses because I think folks, 
they must assume that they're all going to come back in a, in a parked bin when they send cars out. I mean, they, they'd have, would there not be management, you know, from like therapy for the staff saying, look, you know, you've, you've worked very, very hard to build all this thing. Please understand that if it goes to shit in five minutes or in a fraction of a mm. second, it's okay. Well, many of them do come back from rally stages in bits, you know. Last fella, in his first appearance as a team leader for Ford, yeah, he binned his focus. Um, ah, Fiesta. Uh, yeah, sorry, Fiesta, you're right. Which are actually looking pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, They're yeah, pretty, well, pretty sexy looking thing. Yeah, you'd, you'd want to hope they could finally go head to head with uh, Citroen and, and actually beat them, not, instead of not just getting close. But, you know, the crash repairers are probably mourning this year because, you know, their their biggest client has um, returned to Formula One. Kimi Raikkonen, of course, you know, who used to be just a crash fest or a crash looking for somewhere to happen in his rallying um, sojourn. He's gone back to Formula One with, uh, what's it called this year? Lotus now. So, but the rallying is interesting. Um, but I would Skoda be are there. They're just there practising for VW's. Return or return entry into the World Rally Championship next year. Skoda being part of the VW Empire, so they're they're uh, running that in selected events. And that and that, and, and that consequently that, that consequently uh, reflects the pullout of, of Volkswagen in Dakar. Um, obviously, they want to put their, their efforts on there, and perhaps also issues with. The marketplace in in, uh, in Europe, manufacturers, but we'll talk about that. Which was later. dominated, oddly, by Mini, and a, a private private team with some factory backing. But I just point out that in in terms of them, you know, wiping the floor at the Dakar um, with the high riding version of the Mini, and yet they're struggling to get up a full program in the World Rally Championship. You know, the last minute they only got clearance. But they, they had their got a podium on their first, yeah, it, first yeah, event yeah, out. Good and, result. But, and, but it was the first event that, yeah. uh, that David Danny, did Danny, go to. Danny Sordo, um, you know, as you said, had a big result, but the whole program was in doubt until, what, about a week out, and they finally got an official confirmed entry. But they're only, they're only able to afford uh, to run one car, and they're still only doing about seven and, events. Yes, that's right. So, and Chris and Meek have uh, mm-hmm. missed out on the, the yeah, opportunity yeah. to do that. But the caveat was that, all right, we'll let you in past the deadline if you promise to do all the rounds. And so their budget didn't, at this point... No, well, they're not scheduled to do Rally New Zealand, for example. But it's just interesting. Yeah, well, we'll have to look at that, because that was the, that was the fine, fine print that I understood. But, yeah, Sebastian Loeb, uh, again, unbeatable. Um, He's a machine, he an absolute machine. But you know when what he's going coming up is that his ninth coming up would be could be a possible ninth title. Mm. But you know you forget that um, that Stefan Hansel, who had uh, come through from um, the winning the world champ the world championship in dirt bike for mm-hmm. the international six day enduro, if if there was ever such a thing, whilst it's a team's event, has just won his tenth Dakar, and I I don't think. You know, I don't he, know anybody. Does, anybody. does that include his victories on I, motorcycles? I think so. Yeah, I, I he, think so. He won it first on motorcycles. Didn't yeah, he? but yeah, he's still. a phenomenon. But I mean, I don't. You know, we, we talk about Brocky doing nine Bathurst, mm-hmm. and we talk about um, um, uh, Tom Christensen doing you know many many eight Le Mans, uh, eight Le Mans, and, and this is the, it's pretty hard. 
And Peter Hansel's going, was worried, like, oh, I, I don't think I'll ever do it again. It's really good to get the hoodoo off my back, and it must be, oh, I, I'm not the person I was. Of course, it's still, it's, I find it weird that it's the Dakar that's not. It's being run down in South America. Yeah, it's a great brand. Although I felt this year was just, just too sandy. Too sandy? Well, How the, can a Dakar it, be too rather, sandy? Rather, it was just a bit featureless. Yeah. From a visually, you know, you want a little bit of... A little bit of stuff mm. going on. This looks pretty, pretty, pretty hairy, yeah. and as, hairy hillsides. As we speak, the Daytona 24 Hours, one of the classic sports car races of the year, is um, well underway, almost yeah. probably halfway mark as yeah, we speak. Yeah, coming up to that and with uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, I think, as last, uh, as last listened to yeah. in the league. We might be able to get a little bit of an update as the show goes up. Tearing up. And uh, much excitement for V8 and Formula One fans because the season is fast approaching. Not so fast because both kick off in March, but Formula One testing begins um, February 7, first week of February. And the V8s, their first hit out is the pre season test at Sandown on February the 11th. We've got a few team launches that are starting to come out of the woodwork. Which one do you want to approach first? You want to talk about Formula One first or, or V8s? And okay, but somewhere on the international flavour, we do a bit of a quick round up and Bogues' follies of Formula One. Well, the big news, driver change wise, was Raikkonen coming back to Formula One. Um, the Lotus team, which is now the new name for Renault. what was Renault, um, they had a huge kick in the guts last year. Um, with Robert Kubica not being available because of his rallying accident, from which he is still recovering, um, a long, slow process, may never fully recover enough to be in Formula One. He won't be back. As in the last episode of Radio Hotback, episode 199.91a, I said he won't be back. He'll go to sports car racing. They won't be able to have him out for two years. No, I think you're unfortunately right, but Lotus needed a headliner, a big hitter to come in and give them some direction and uh, they've brought Raikkonen back and he seems to be hungry again, he's had his sabbatical. But uh, folks, sorry to interrupt, but the, the viewers, like, you know, that, that's a little bit old news. More, more, more interestingly, and as a combination thereof, I suppose, is, is Senna getting a gig into to Williams and more worryingly, Barrichello decided to go and do Indy with KV. Mm. Well, Bruno, Bruno Senna has gone to Williams. Um, it will be a big test for him because it's still a team that's struggling to revive its glory. Um, you would assume there's money involved. Um, he's bringing Brazilian backing. Um, so, you know, it's hard times for Williams and they've got a new technical crew altogether in there. Um, Sam Michael fell on his sword last year, the Aussie technical director, and he's gone fallen on his feet, he's gone to a senior position at McLaren. It's a big test for um, for Bruno Senna because he's got a great name and everyone would love him to do well and he showed some promise at, uh, in his appearances at Renault um, but whether he's got the absolute magic star quality well, we've yet to see it um, it was tough luck for Barrichello but really, I mean, you know, he's at the longest officially Formula 1 career of ever, almost um, and um, Time to go. It, it was, you know, but as you say, it's worrying that he's now looking at doing IndyCar racing. He's got a test coming up with KV Racing. Now, we hope that he's only going to look at doing the street races and road course races 
um, because you know the ovals for him at his stage of his career and his you know decent track record in Formula One. He doesn't to, need to be proving no. himself. Well, he doesn't need to be risking his neck in oval races. So hopefully it's just for the street and road course events. Um, I'm surprised he's even bothering to look at that though. Yeah, I mean, he's but perhaps anything. It's a, perhaps it's a decoy as well that other go oh, crikey, there must he must be in the. In the, in the frame. Do you like that? I, it's beautiful. Like that? Yes, the, I've got a few prawns. The arrayed in the, around the bowl. But, you know, anything after Formula 1 in motor racing, I'm sorry. Particularly when you've been to such heights as Barrichello. You know, he wasn't a world champion, never was going to be, but he won many Grand Prix and he was, you know, a front-runner. Um, you know, to go off and, you know, the best wheel in the world, I like IndyCar racing, but after Formula 1, when you've had such a successful career, honestly, you just put, wouldn't you just put your feet up and but, relax? You know, I think that, that, that that's the point that you know he you know, come the come Australian Grand Prix, you know, the first race of the year time. He just he doesn't know a life without it, and he's like that. that you know, when you've been going to the moon uh, and they say, "Sorry, you're not going anymore." Well, you, you can have a desk job. You can be. <laughs> he's very passionate. He loves his racing. He's very enthusiastic. He's a charming gentleman. He really is. And I say that genuinely, you know, he's a really good bloke um, and he was a, an excellent driver, but just not excellent enough, you know. Um, he got shown up at Ferrari. Um, yes, he was driving under team orders a lot of the time, but still he's, you know, he's, he's basically just a sort of a souped up version of uh, Felipe Massa. You know, another one who's a decent driver, but, you know, honestly, really overstaying his welcome at Ferrari far too much. I really don't think that, um, you know, he's ever going to be the same again following that head injury he suffered at Hungary a couple of years ago. It's, you know, I think it knocked seven bells out of him. So, but well, you know, actually, I mean, you know... The, you, the, the, you were saying, by the way, too, that Riken coming back is old news. Yes, it's old news. But it's a very, very significant move. You know, it's a, it's a potential game-changer. I agree. If, if Lotus get themselves together... And if Kimi really is enthusiastic and wants to have a go, I mean, no-one ever denied that he wasn't a gifted racing driver. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he had the personality at motor races, you know, of a block of vanilla ice cream. Which it appears that from, from those that, 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 that have known him in, in WRC is that he's nowhere near as up himself as he had said. And, in fact, I, I read a, a rather interesting article about this exact topic in the... Recent edition of motorsport, um, and and Nigel Roanoke had, had you know, articulately articulately put it in that way that you know, he's he's probably just gone away, grown up a little bit, and you know pulled his head out of his ass, and he, he, he may become more approachable because he was very much sort of I don't want to do PR stuff, but well, who would to some extent? But, well, um, if he shows some, he comes back with a fresh approach, and that may energise the team as well. But if he shows some of his real personality, because behind the scenes, he's a fabulous personality. I mean, he's a, an old-fashioned phrase, but he's, in hell, he's a hellraiser. I mean, he's the closest thing we've seen in the modern era of Formula 1 to James Hunt, a playboy. Parties hard, loves doing, you know, adventurous, extreme... And I think they'll give him the job on that basis. They go, well, that's the character we're buying. Yeah, but we need to see that. The problem with Kimi was in Formula 1, you know, he just couldn't be bothered, you know. He was... Um, Desperately uninteresting in, in press conferences. You know, he made Mika Hakkinen look interesting. You know, no mean feat. Um, although oddly, too, behind the scenes, Hakkinen is quite a personality. So, if, 
if Kiwi comes out and shows a bit of the feistiness that we know lies, you know, behind the uh, the, the Iceman facade, you know, he'll be a great asset, asset to Formula One. And and as I say, as a natural talent, he's right up there. But you know, he just got lazy. You know, he he fell into his world championship in 2007. You know, I mean, a great comeback towards the end of the season, but he fell into it with all that nonsense in the last lap of the last race that robbed, <coughs> um, that turned everything. No, 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 sorry, wrong year. Anyway, he, you know, he lucked into it right at the end of the championship with a tremendous comeback. So he'll be good. And the rest of Formula One, well, you know, just saying, you know, we're looking for Williams to come back. Senna is a very emotive name to be at Williams, you know, considering that's, you know, the the team that Senna joined and, you know, died with him way back in 1994. Um, what used to be Team Lotus is now Caterham, which is named after the um, traditional British sports car maker that, you know, in Much the like spirit... Lotus Super yeah, 7. Well, they were, actually. They, just, oh. they bought the licence to the Lotus Super 7 and continued the spirit of Colin Chapman. So um, the people... Uh, Tony Fernandez, who owns, uh, among many other things owns the race yeah, team right. that was that was at called Team Lotus. He bought Caterham and after a long and protracted legal argument um, with the Lotus factory who was sponsoring the Renault team, he finally did, you know, backed down and said, Alright, I'm gonna rename my Formula One team Caterham to promote my new business. As you were going to say he is a, you know, his big claim to fame is he, he's the boss of AirAsia and AirAsia X. He's a an on, true entrepreneur. And um, so He's called his team Caterham. Renault becomes Lotus. At least we don't have two Lotus teams running around the track. And then Team Caterham are trying to, you know, establish themselves as the best of the newcomers and actually get into scoring points. And then we, uh, you know, we go back and talk about the heavy hitters. Well, all the interest is going to be about Sebastian Vettel and Mark Webber at Red Bull and whether Vettel can continue his domination, whether Webber can get back to the form they had in 2010, which, you know, saw him contending for the title, and he and the team seem to think that he's on top of it now. And, uh, McLaren, well, you've got a great team there with Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button. Button showed up Hamilton last year because Hamilton was just off the rails. He was having all sorts of personal dilemmas, but could still win races, despite all that. And um, so they're a powerful combination. McLaren have got to get it right soon. I mean, you know, they are the best prepared team. They just don't seem to convert too often lately. And Ferrari, of course, well, you've got probably the most complete driver on the grid in Fernando Alonso there. If Ferrari get the technical side of it together, they get their aero sorted out. Um, they're promising a radical car, not a beautiful car. In fact, they say it's going to be an ugly car, but it'll be a radical car. Now, they may have the game changer, but I'd still bet on Red Bull. I think they've got Adrian Newey, who's you know, the technical genius of Formula One of this generation, well, has been, in fact, since the early 1990s. You know, he was the, the mastermind of the dominant Williams Renaults of the early 90s. Um, so Red Bull Racing is still the team to beat. McLaren, Ferrari, everything to play for to get on top of them. And then underneath them, Lotus is, is the team that's poised and has the resource, resources and also the motivation to try and you know, get in there and break into the top three. Which, in course, of course, when you take its history back as Renault, before that as Benetton, that team has traditionally played the role of every so often breaking into the top three. 
Because in the history of Formula One in the last 30 years or so, if you look at it, Formula One is always dominated by three teams at the top. There's the three teams at the top and they dominate, win, win most everything. Everyone else is struggling you know, around in what becomes the midfield. But every so often, a team pops up and replaces one of them in the top three. Most recently, of course, that's been Red Bull Racing that's come up. But in the modern generation, Lotus is poised to sneak back in there at the cost of who? We don't know. We'll know a lot more in early February when the testing's starting in Formula One. And um, I think it's going to be another exciting season. You know, we're still going to have the um, um, curves will be even more important, the kinetic energy recovery system. And, of course, you know, DRS, you know, the drag reduction system, which did so much to enliven the racing last year artificially. Still an argument raging about whether that's, you know, right for Formula One to have the racing artificially improved by a contrivance. But, hey, at the end of the day, we saw more overtaking last season than we've probably seen for the last 40 years in Formula One. So the fans are voting. They love it. There we go. You know, I, it concerns me, though, um, the amount of you know, budgets that are being spent in areas that, that suddenly get clamped down, and perhaps that's just the way that... That, that Formula One works and always has, you know, with the you know, advent of social media and, 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 and just-in-time communications, it, you, you, you start to wonder that one day something is said to be legal and the next day it's not. And case in point, recently the dynamic stability system that Lotus slash Renault has said uh, that they had... Reactive, in place, reactive, reactive ride. Reactive ride, um, which, which basically had said that, uh, you know, it was making the car a more level under brakes but as it turn, it turns out well also the FIA saying hey this is all cool and Ferrari going look we've got something going on on there too and no doubt the other teams are going hang on a minute you know their engineers have had a look at it and found it well hang on a minute that device is not actually this object like a brake right right brake caliper is not mounted to the chassis of the car and therefore it actually has the ability to move independently of the chassis, which therefore would be determined as an aerodynamic a move, aid. A movable A movable aerodynamic. aid. And, and, and so that's been outlawed. And, you know, I wonder how much wasted resources go into this, much like we had with, like, you know, uh, exhaust blowing technologies. Mm-hmm. F-ducks like that. Massively yeah. interesting sort of stuff. But it could have been good, but the FI deliberately... Um, Let them word, hang themselves? Yeah, well, no, it deliberately words the regulations quite vaguely so that it doesn't lock itself in to definitions of what's legal and not. And when teams go to them with a proposal for a new innovation or a new interpretation of the rules, it will often rule initially in favour and say, mm, yeah, that sounds good. Because otherwise it stops innovation. And they, did, and, and they did that last year on the basis of the information they had. It's since come to light when they've looked at it further that it's a very clever system, but essentially it comes down to the FIA saying, well, no, actually, yeah, fair do, it's a clever system, but it's a movable aerodynamic device. They are unilaterally banned from Formula One. So sorry, you can't use it. It's wasteful, but something has to keep Formula One in check because no doubt they when innovation into runs the, right, I mean, it moves into the road up. technologies, and no doubt that that sort of that sort of stuff will, will be able to flow on into road. I mean, that's what F1 was about, wasn't it? Well, well, like it the truth, it, Hardy, is now that pretty much every basic road car, and I'm talking basic, is actually technically more sophisticated than a Formula One car. 
you know, road cars are allowed to use all sorts of electronic controls and oh, e sure. intervention devices, which are banned from Formula One, one now. Systems into, into play. It helped define them, yes. But it's, you know, unfortunately, technical innovation is not part of what Formula One is about anymore, just simply because they, the authorities have desperately been working, and the teams too, to rein in costs because, the, you know, it was out of control. I mean, you're still talking about a top Formula One team spending at least $250 million a year. It's a lot of money, but it's half of what Ferrari used to spend easily, you know, half a billion yeah, dollars. One, one must look at that in the, in the complete you know, context of, of going Formula One racing and the brand exposure that they're getting in the television coverage mm. and working it out at rate card. And so you, that's, that's why they do that. Because it's it's a it's a it's a good exposure. And it may come back. The manufacturers come and go. They have the money at the moment. They're all doing it tough because of the the flow-on effect still from the GFC. So they don't have the money to spend. So Formula One has to at the moment, like BAC cars, has to cut its cloth to fit the circumstances. Well, before we go off off F one, I just wanted to bring up the a uh, quick discussion about Massa because like, Massa sort of like been in a bit of the limelight and. There's a lot of you. Yeah, I, I can't quite figure it out, but I think it was quite succinctly, succinctly put by uh, as, a, as a concept by, by Martin Brundle, who's uh, now not not a part-time BBC. He, well, he's gone on the digital side. He sw yeah. switched from BBC TV in, in the United yeah, Kingdom no, no, to Sky Sports yeah. on satellite or you know pay TV out here. Had uh, theorised that um, it was. Uh, the, Master seemed to just not be able to sort of want to challenge for things, and, and it was a bit sort of almost sheepish with with Alonso around. And he, he felt that it was 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 taken back to the, the team orders of two thousand nine with Hungara ring, where um, uh, 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 Felipe was whilst the head of uh, Alonso was uh, over the radio, and then there was the controversy associated with that. You know, when team orders were illegal, that um, that he uh, sort of. The famous instruction. Yeah, the, and, and so he went, you know, he's Felipe, gone, he gone, oh, too hard, I, I just... Fernando I, I, is I faster than give you. Up. I give up. Yeah, he's probably, that wouldn't have helped him, that dispirited him. But I, as I said earlier, I think the real thing, unfortunately, is that, you know, when he got whacked in the head by that bit of suspension, that bolt that flew off the back of Barrichello's... It took the um, edge. Bra uh, ...brawn and, um, you know, put him in hospital and he missed a few races... Um, it was, you know, not only a severe concussion, it was almost a life-threatening injury. You know, they've changed the helmet regulations since to guard against the sort of impact injury he got. But, you know, and he's come back, he's still a fine racing driver, but he's not the same Felipe Massa that he was. And I don't think he's ever going to be, and he's always going to be subservient either officially or psychologically to Fernando Alonso, who, you know, who is ruthless absolutely ruthless about the way he goes about his racing, you know. Well, we Do not that. be under we saw that misunderstanding. But, um, is, so, have you got a fan? Is, is sticking hot out here? Is there a fan somewhere I can bring up and just give a little air circulation? Is it sticking? Is it? It's just, it's, it's so still, it's very annoying. It's very humid. No, I don't have a fan. A fan of the show would have helped to come up and sort of... Well, a fan? Wave a, have done that. a palm leaf at us. Anyway, sorry viewers, we're we're uh, we're doing it tough here in the in the humidity. I was thinking, you know, how motorsport has uh, um, lunch with insert person here. You could have dinner with folks. I mean, rather rather than There's lunch with famous person, it's famous. 
person of, of, of known uh, quantity with slash famous um, with someone of character mm -hmm. or, or famousness yeah. and and I could be waiting on these guys Excellent. here at the I'd clean it up a little for you in folks towers no 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 there's only there's not the towers these are they're not towers folks they're better than towers you know we're on the river there are regatta operators like swanning by up there as the willows weep there the sounds of dogs howling in the distance you're waxing a distant memory yeah. oh, I was a good storyteller but that's another story from late night <laughs> you can tell a story given any two, three or four fa uh, three subjects three, three objects, objects yeah. on location that's right, yes but sometimes I forget to mention the chicken so, at yes. dinner with foes, I have to warn any potential <laughs> participants, you would be advised not to let foes cook the meal, however. Well, it would be, you, you would be busy. Uh, it would be the equivalent of, you know. So you, you would volunteer to be the, the, the chef de, de jour, as it was. Well, I think this is, um, you know, as we move into the commercialisation era, of radio hot folks, it's only fair that, that 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 sort of you know that sort of treatment is uh, is afforded someone of your ageing stature. I'm sorry, I mean it's not like that ageing. <laughs> Thank it's you. It's not like an old cheese. No, mature. They're good. Those oysters. Excellent. Yeah, I should have another one before you nick off with them all. No. And you and you've teased piqued even the viewers' interest by mentioning the commercialisation of Radio Hot Lab. What does that mean? What benefits will it bring? What will happen? Stay tuned. I'll, that's, I'll leave that up to our new commercialisation manager. Yes. You, you, you're very slow on the, on the oysters. Or have, well, you, have you been picking out of, out of, no, out of success? Well, I'm sorry. Unlike you, I can't eat and talk at the same time. You seem to have a gift for that. Well, on that note, folks, we're going to let you have, have a little pause while folks has an oyster. Station break. That's enough F1, folks, and after the break, disappointing to find the uh, Peugeot company has decided to pull out of all motorsport activities, certainly in sports car. There may be some lower level operations that they're involved with, but um, the 908 program and probably it was going to be a, a hybrid derivative um, in the World Endurance Championship, but pulling out on the very day that uh, entries closed, um, when the, F the, the FIA had taken over the World Endurance Championship, rendering the best part of you know 35 to 40 drivers um, out of a job, um, and, and even cancelling the customer programs, like just like that, when things were like there were the facilities already in place at Sebring, that yeah. the, the cars that never will arrive. So millions of dollars already spent. It was a huge shock, completely unexpected, and a massive body blow to the revival of sports car racing, particularly Le Mans. It was all gearing up for 
a golden era in sports car racing. I mean, we've got yeah, we've got well, we've got uh, Toyota, which actually, interestingly enough, has tested there yeah. um, almost the same day that Peugeot three days at Paul Ricard with yeah. uh, Alex Works at uh, at the helm there, mm -hmm. and looking like they, they could be good. A petrol hybrid variant, um, and uh, McLaren will be coming in, and you'll be getting um, Porsche coming in Porsche 2014. Coming in 2014. Jaguar are seriously looking into the return to sports car racing. It was all adding up. But it's a free kick for, you know... Audi. Yeah, and that's, and they were also, knowing uh, um, uh, Dr Ulrich well enough to understand that he would be thinking, well, this is not how we want to do this. Sure, the marketing guys are going, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but, it, you know, it, it's sort of... Peugeot's withdrawal could drag Audi down with them. Correct, because they go, what's the point of having fielding mm. five, four, four or five cars? Yeah, but the Toyota entry is interesting. They're, they're going a different way. They've got a 3.4 liter V8. That's a hybrid, so it's got an electric motor that kicks in much. Uh, and interesting, much like the they're, they're running they're running supercapacitors. Yes, um, which is a, a, a new a, a new form. Well, I mean, supercapacitors have been around for a while. Yeah. But the fact this is the first car running supercapacitors, mm. which have extremely fast discharge. Yeah. Building, which is sort of the technology you already be using in the dog collar projects. Well, it's light, light, much lighter than batteries, and perhaps flywheel technology. And it's supercapacitors. I remember was a technology that Formula One teams were looking at when Kurz was being introduced, but it was seen to be just too complex at the time. But Toyota have gone down this route. Big move for Toyota. I mean, Toyota is in the process of, you might say, reinventing themselves because they've become the dullest car company in the history of the world. Um, the grandson of, of the original Toyota. Who, Toyota. Toyota, yeah, not Toyota, but the Toyota family. He started the whole thing. He's in there and he's putting new life back into Toyota cars as evidenced by the, um, the uh, variously known as the, the 80 the F86 or the GT86, which is the new flat four powered rear wheel drive, lightweight sports car that Toyota's coming out with in Australia mid-year. More exciting Toyota's on the way. They're back into motorsport. I mean, that they made a complete dog's breakfast of Formula One. You know, no, no company has ever spent so much and achieved so little in Formula One. You know, over the several years they were involved, they spent some billions of dollars yeah, at least two billion dollars for what? Themselves into a bit a, of a pickle. A hand, yeah, a handful of podiums, even if that. But they've kept so the facility in Cologne yeah. place there, when that's where the sports cars are yeah. coming out of, and, and, and rightly so, because mm -hmm. had the cars been sort of. And isn't it funny about the DNO sports cars? And if they they're coming out of like Japan, it just it doesn't sort of work. Mm. Well, this is an exciting initiative for sports cars. That you know, you going to eat that it's, No, you have it. It's a big blow that Peugeot's out, you know, particularly for Le Mans. But longer term, Toyota being there, and it's going to take them a year or two to get up to speed. Um, they got close back in the late 90s with the GT1. They almost won Le Mans. This time they're going to be, well... Look, if they, they were to come in and win it, that would be yeah, super, well, wouldn't it? Be. Because it would, uh, even if Peugeot doesn't come back in, everyone's going. And they say Peugeot, because mm -hmm. they say that in Europe, as yeah. well Peugeot, Peugeot they do. as we say here. Um, the Audi be going, oh, oh. The, the perception will be, way they're ahead of us. Yeah, and Porsche's 
return in 2014 will be spectacular because they're working on, again, they're working on a, a I believe, some sort of hybrid technology. Absolutely. More likely it'll be the flywheel that they're using in the hybrid GT3 that they've been running in selected endurance sports car races. And that's a technology of storing um, regenerated energy in a flywheel and releasing it rather than with batteries. And that technology, oddly enough, has been developed by um, a branch of Williams Formula One. Which is? A division. It's called Flybrid. Which is uh, and which is a company which is also working with Jaguar on the hybrid power pack for their new supercar. And that can only that can only like show why Patrick Head has decided to get out of you know, Formula One yeah. operations as a but he's in the operation and to move to the yeah, hybrid into the hybrid company. He's, he's working on that. Yeah. But I, if Toyota even looks like doing well. One thing is almost certain: they will drag Nissan into it. Now, Nissan have already have they have a that's talent. You say that they have a talent was a, the water there was, there was a, a car running at uh, at um, I think Nanny Roma was driving the car at um, Dakar. It was a it was a Toyota, like a like a Hilux or whatever one of those sort of you know off road vehicles were running an engine uh, a Nissan powertrain. Now, where yeah. does that where does that tie up come from, yeah. and why? Do you, but you might recall at Le Mans last year, Nissan got back in by providing the engine for a, an LMP2 team. Uh, Sigma, I think it was. Mm. Something like that. So there's a tow in the water there. Honda's back, too. They're actually... their American division. HPD is um, getting involved with a, an LMP1 uh, Acura. Which, which, which um, Brad is back into. But yeah, yeah. it's the natural yeah. Yeah. thing we talked about in the last show. So, but yeah, quite yeah. rightly so. Anyway. The Japanese, with a, you know, a bit of luck and a fair win, they could be back into sports car racing big time. So the Peugeot thing, yes, very unfortunate. They're struggling in the, in the world market at the moment. Drawing um, more but, attention to themselves yeah. by suddenly going out. Though. But it's a good opportunity for Toyota, it really is. They could, you know. The change is coming through, folks. Oh, we might not need wind. We don't need a fan oh, anymore. Oh, yeah, it's the subtly The wind is blowing out. Oh, it's getting up, isn't it? Yeah, enjoying that. So anyway, I I hope this sports car revival continues. I can't wait to see Porsche back there because sports racing, sports car racing without Porsche, is not sports car racing, is it? It's uh, it, it's ingrained in the in the, yeah. the, the heritage of it. The sport and the car company itself, and having Jaguar back too, that would be exciting because Jaguar is a whole new company now. They're making pretty interesting, exciting products. They're owned by an Indian company, you know, Tata, Tata, whatever they call themselves. You know, to have them going back to sports car racing in you know next year or the year after, that would be exciting. I think I think for manufacturers, there's a new potential golden age coming of being involved in sports car racing, and it could revive that that whole field. Which, I mean, I'm fond of pointing out that back in the back in the 1960s, you know, until until the mid 70s, probably sports car racing, endurance sports car racing, was actually more important. And more widely followed than Formula One was, so you know things change and they can change again, you know. Absolutely, I'm very much looking forward to this year. At, at, more so outside of Australia, I, I just I, I I want my um I want my uh, you know faith in V8 supercars and the interest of pounding around the same old circuits to be revived. But uh, you know, and before we quickly get, we go on to that, um, interesting to note that 
yeah, right, as talking about Daytona 24 hour moment ago, you know, uh, Dominic Farnbacher and Alan Simonson uh, teaming up with Patrick Patrick Pillett and uh, and Ben Keating, uh, effectively a, a very good gentleman driver in the 66 TRG Porsche, are running very strongly at the front of the GT class as we come up to the, the 12 hour mark. They'll be down here for the for the 12 hour. And there's a lot of interest going on with the 12 hour as we move over to that. But, but, but finally on an international, I feel, and, and, and you've been doing a little bit of, uh, of, of talking with the guys at Aston Martin, uh, International Paul, our uh, correspondent, and Teppanyaki scoffer, mm -hmm. extraordinaire from Adelaide, who's over there at this this weekend running extreme speed motorsport and core autosport, core autosport sort of stuff, as uh, doing a, a project project P fifty six update, which is effectively the Gurney car. In I think Dan Gurney's son himself is actually racing in it. But you were questioning the fact that it could have, you know, it might be losing its goals uh, to be. I'm wondering, yeah, because they're the taking over. The was, was basically the, the AMR1, one, yeah, from last year, uh, which was like a, 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 six a, boat, a boat anchor of a sports car. Um, but yeah, the. Uh, so there's a bit of a double barreled question. Mm. You saw some photos today of the tub. Um, uh, what do you think is going on with that? And, and where's Aston Martin moving? Because we didn't more talk about Aston Martin sports car racing. And, uh, and with, with David Richards moving back on day-to-day -day operations from WRC um, and the minis, like that were in Dakar, were actually being built by another company, X-Ray. Mm -hmm. well, one of the Quant family, which owns BMW, was running that, Sven Quant, someone like that, was actually running that team. Yeah, I don't know where Aston Martin goes in sports car racing. They, they just ran themselves down you know, an absolute dead-end alley last Too many year. categories, too many GT1s. Well, they're OK in GTs, but, you know, after when we were at Le Mans back in 2009, mm -hmm. they had the Aston Martin Lola running with the Stupid. the the, yes, the V. Uh, what were they running? The V12 engine, I think it was. Yeah, production-based engine. But anyway, but it shut itself the first lap too. Oh uh, yeah, but it was, at least it was good-looking, sounded the business, and it yeah, that's it had some, one lap. That was costly. It, it had some potential, and. Yeah, their big push has been this straight six turbo, which, you know, I'm sorry, anyone with the most basic knowledge. Another oyster? <laughs> Thank you. Knew it wasn't going to work, and it was, it was a calamity. I mean, Dud doesn't even begin to describe how embarrassing it was. And they've jumped the program. Um, the guy who ran the team, you know, he fell on his sword and resigned. Uh, so they're out, and Aston Martin... For Aston Martin, sports car racing was going to be their, you know, their big brand, not builder, but brand consolidator. So it's all gone wrong for DR. I mean, you know, he's not having a good time at the moment. He's got the Aston, Martin, the Aston Martin program's just, you know, collapsed. The mini program is struggling for finance. And FPR, well, here in Australia, just don't get me started on, you know, the team that promised the world and delivered a street map. So well, far. we'll get you, yeah. get you started on that, but yeah. finalise the European sector with that. But GT, well, you mentioned GT racing, and I, I think GT racing, both worldwide and and particularly locally, is is also on the cusp of something really good. I mean, we've got an excellent entry coming up for the Bathurst 12-hour. We've got Audi versus Mercedes. Locally, Peter Hackett somehow has blagged support for two Mercedes-Benz SLS GT3s. No, no, but for locally, 
He had one last year. He's now got two. James Brock comes in. I mean, yeah, but Hardy, come on. Don't turn up your nose. I mean, they are super sexy cars. Oh, I'm not turning up your nose. I'm just questioning the driver lineup. You may do, but, you know, Peter Hackett... I like James. Oh, Peter Hackett has brought this deal together. I mean, it's stunning. Who is backing it? I mean, you've got to say that somewhere in the background it's got to be a Mercedes-Benz. Well, but then, but, Yeah, but they're not they're not fessing up to it. And, in fact, today I just saw uh, that uh, Dane Child from Armageddon Designs had, had put together some, some livery for uh, the Erebus car, and, and, and it looked real good. So, look, I'm not poo-pooing any of it, but it goes back to, you know... the. Stefan Rattel, he's the he's the man that's mm-hmm. connected with FIA that basically owns sort of conceptually GT. And there's just we, we get back to the oh, I bought I bought a GT three run in Australia, but I can't run it here. And, you know, come on, I need a car that I can move around in Carnet around the world. Mm-hmm. But they're getting there now, John. I agree. They've basically gone to GT three rules, haven't they? Correct, and that's where they should be. And, and McLaren's coming in. That's and, and a couple of years, yeah, because it's a base. It's a baseline. And yeah. a couple of years' time, two, maybe three, but I would suggest in two years' time that, that Bathurst 12-hour will be an absolutely mega event and only if, if we can perhaps allow the people to, to then be part of the opening round of, of, of Clips of 500 or something like that, be, to come all this way with a car, it, it, it is a long way. Mm. Well, lots of people say, ah, but we go here and there. No, but that yeah, Bathurst 12-hour is shaping up potentially as being one of the great endurance races of the world, GT endurance races of the world, you know, up there with, well, not up there with, but, you know, in sort of in the same group as, as the Spa 24 Hours, as the Nürburgring 24 Hours. You know, and everybody wants to come and do it. Yeah, they do. But and and getting V8 supercar drivers involved, and several are involved this year, the more we get known names up on the mountain again for this GT race, the more local attraction... Uh, attention it will attract. Well, they don't have any, like, AB driver ruling as such anymore. No. Um, we are still seeing a gentleman driver involved, and, you know, I, you know, no disrespect to them. Someone's got to foot the bills. But until we get, like, factory, 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 factory driver in a, uh, in a car, we, 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 that's, that's a turning point. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm quite excited. A and as and I'm, hoping, I'm hoping I can get to the Bathurst 12-hour next month, because I, I actually think it'll be... You know, Mercedes versus Audi is going to be very exciting. And then you've got, you know, your mate Alan Simonson in there in the Maranello Motorsport Ferrari yeah. um, 438. Um, sorry, a 458. 458. 458. Yeah, yeah which shattered, up shattered the lap record in testing. Yeah, that's right. You know. um, and uh, he'll, you know, he'll be there with, with JB. Mm. Yeah, solid. And Dominic Palmbacher, a uh, very, very good, good driver. And, you know, Alan and, and Dom are, are good mates. You know, on the handbook program, you can see that. And um, and Peter Edwards, who's the funder behind it, and El, El Bella Rosso uh, yep. Tomatoes, and put together and basically managed by um, by, by Mark Coffin. Yeah. And, and 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 good old Mark, good old Mark. You know, good on him because he's he's been there solid for forever, and he's yeah. back a long way. I mean, he just go ten years ago. Whoosh, there's the Budweiser car and JB and mm-hmm. the Mustang, you know. Yeah. And he's been around forever, so he's tenacious and he's well-connected. And at the end of the day, that he knows what, you know, you just... You, you. I'm throwing the odd Lamborghini, the odd Porsche, and some other interesting entries, you know. Well, yeah, you've got Ted Hugh in there, like, when, and, like, hey, you've got to take your hat off to Ted because he's got, you know, the, the LP560 or the next area thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got, like, Peter Cox, ex to... Uh, 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 
Well, BGCC BGC for a start. I used to know Peter back in the late 90s and yeah. BGCC's good operator. The same driver, he had, same driver he had last year uh, in, um, uh, in uh, Luke Searle. And uh, I can't think of the, the other driver. Is it in, in there? I don't know. But, no, Eric, but, but, no, Eric Banner, I, I know. No, no, Eric's not in the car. But, 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 and again, like, you know, that, this is the, 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 as you won't, in two years' time, you won't see Ted probably doing that sort of stuff because you've got to take your hat off to him again at, at, at his age. But it is, he's the gentleman driver. And yeah, when you expect a guy in his 70s to be able to do those laps. And I imagine Tony Quinn will be floating around there somewhere. Yeah, with an ABS problem with a computer plugged into the side. <laughs> Clark Quinn. Ah. I like Tony Quinn. I like him too, on a good day. Spends a lot of money in motorsport. He's another Ross Palmer, that sort of ill good guy who, without it, the sport doesn't survive. He puts in a lot of money. Right. Long show tonight, but that's okay as we move across. We've actually, it's a bit of a segue. We're into our supercars. Counting down. And then we get on tech. To the first pre season test, the first hit out. Well, you've got to go a little sneaky. They uh, do uh, tomorrow night, and in fact, I, I flew in. I flew in um, a couple of days ago and hung out with, with Marcus the Cannon uh, the other side of town. Can't say too much about what's going on there. It could be a development series programs of view or something else. Could be just something very off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Some overseas stuff. Some Intriguing. decisions need to be made. And but he went up uh, skiing uh, with, uh, with, uh, with with Frosty. Uh, no, Frosty was running the boat. Actually, in fact, in fact, Renee, his wife, was running the boat. Yeah. And, uh, water, water skiing. Water skiing, yeah. Not snow skiing. No. It'd be a bit hard at the moment. Anyway, yeah, the first big team launch of 2012 is in Melbourne on Monday the 30th of January at the Ice House, the ice skating rink at Docklands. I F- think that's a theme for the d- design. FBR unveiling their, their livery for Frosty's car, Mark Winterbottom's Orcon steel racing car. Um, won't look that much different. But I'm, a little bird tells me that there'll be an interesting announcement on the night, which is that Frosty is extending his already extended contract with FPR. So he's going to be locked in there, I'm not sure exactly, but I believe until at least probably the end of 2015. So I've got to say, Frosty, given FPR's track record, brave man to lock himself in for another few but, years. But, you know, the, the thing that, the thing that I, I think in the background is of, of that is that Frosty might be thinking about the future beyond VR supercars. And with DR having that connection there. Yeah. You know, I mean, wouldn't it be going... Yeah, but like, it's been promised for, you know, like Jason Bright, Stephen Richards, Mark Wigmore oh, yeah, have yeah, all yeah. been promised... I'm going in for a prawn. ...goes yeah. at sports go racing with Aston Martin. And yeah. apart from Bridie, who had a good go in the Sebring 12 hours in the, in the GT car, nothing's happened, so I wouldn't be hanging my hat on that. But, you know, no, but, but good on Frosty. You know, Frosty's, got a, Frosty's got a lift. He's a very talented driver. A lot of his rivals... What reckon, goes wrong reckon, there, then? Reckons he lacks the killer instinct. You know, like, if he, if he gets out in front and leads easy, he's fine. But if he's got a, you know, battle, nice. battle with the... Yeah, battle with the with the, um, the top boys. So reckon he's, they all reckon he's vulnerable. So he needs to toughen up there. FPR, we say this every year and have done since 2003, but, you know, they really have to deliver this year. They're the factory Ford team, the prime factory Ford team, the equivalent of Holden Racing team, for the Ford fans, yeah, they invariably come on strong at the end of each season, as they did again last year. But you know, 
again, promising much, delivering little. This year, they're going to have a hell of a lineup. I mean, <laughs> you reckon they do something. They've got, you know, Frosty, who's as dialed in as he'll ever be, Will Davison, who feels as comfortable as at FPR, you know, after the nightmare second season he had at HRT in 2010. And Were you all right last week with Dave Siegel? He would have told you if he wasn't feeling comfortable No, no, I don't need Siegel to tell me. I can, oh, see, no, that, but, I mean, I can see that Will Davison is a much more, a much happier individual in that, you know, he's getting the love he needs to perform. And they've got David Reynolds, who will eventually be confirmed after all the legal wrangling is over, will be confirmed as the driver of the Bottolo car, the third FPR entry. Um, that thing, that legal saga is dragging on, but it will happen. You know, the, Kelly, the Kellys are not making it easy, but it will happen that David Reynolds go there. So they've got three top-draw drivers. No reason they shouldn't be, you know, taking it right up to Triple Eight. And that's what you do. You've got to take it to Triple Eight, you know. Win Cup's back, recharged as the champion. Craig's hungry as ever still, Craig Lowndes. HRT, they've got to deliver this year. They're in a big rebuilding process. Their new big boss, Steve Hallam, who comes from a background of engineering. Not Steve Hallam. Hallam. No, not Steve Hallam. Who was, ironically, a co-driver with... You think of Jeff Allen. Oh, Jeff Allen. No, no, Jeff Allen, but, but, British guy. No, but Steve, he was also in the Walkinshaw Rover yeah, team. He was. Steve and Jaguars. Steve Hallam comes to HRT with huge credentials, you know, senior engineering person at McLaren in their Formula One team. And then um, with Michael Waltrip, NASCAR team for the last couple of years. So he's come out to sort it out. A lot of changes have already been made at HRT. You know, Ryan Walkinshaw's had his influence. Mike Henry's been running the team. James Courtney, you know, he just had the worst title defence in the history of Australian touring car racing last year. He's got to get up. Garth Tander performed heroically last year with a, politely I would term it, a recalcitrant car. Um, good so work. not good for scrabble. If they, you know, so one expects that HRT will be a lot stronger. SBR, they're on the way back. They'll never be what they were, but they're on the way back, and they've got a new strong lineup with gears. With the gears, with experience, if he settles down, Lee Holdsworth replacing Alex Davison. Big test Is that for Holdsworth. Well, I would have thought it's sideways move at best. Mm. I would actually characterise it as being jumping out of the the frying pan and into the fire. Mm. But anyway, Lee's made the decision. You know, and Tim Slade, who is very promising and has done a good job. Um, so SBR, as I said, they don't have the resources. Despite they have Ford backing, they don't, they don't have anywhere near the resources. So, uh, you know, I've got to give the Stone Brothers their dues that, you know, with limited resources, they've rebuilt that team, which basically collapsed after Marcus Ambrose left. You know, James Courtney couldn't make it work. Russell Ingle made it work for a year in the re on the residual, you know, of what Ambrose has done. So they're getting back to near where they were, and you know, they'll never be the, the, the challenger that they were back in, or the pace setter they were in the middle 2000s. But, you know, and then... Well, folks, as we move towards our uh, next, effectively, uh, 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 commercialisation break that could perhaps possibly happen in the future, for a moment to ourselves, uh, who, who are you giving the Deadwood Award to? Uh, I want you to put you on the spot, but, you know, who needs to lift the game? And uh, who do you expect Lucas to Lucas Dumbrell Racing. Well, but he can only go forward. 
They can only go upwards, can they not? But uh, okay. well, uh, otherwise, the other extremes FPR for performance racing. As I said earlier, they have to deliver. No more excuses. They have to contend at every race and be, and be contending for the tra- championship and take it. Those sort of those little team. teams that you know that have that they spikes like BJR and, and Techno and you know, just well, that's all they'll ever do. A spike. Yeah. Once in a blue moon, like Gary Rogers Motorsport, like Brad Jones racing last year with with Jason Bright, you know, one two races, big effort. So why why, they do, can't, why do you they think can't they spike? consistently? Why why can they not do? They consistently? don't have the resources, both financial, technical, or man or personnel. They don't have the resources to do it consistently. And it, this is it's a history of motorsport. It's nothing unusual. But unless a team changes everything about the way it works and has an influx of money and, and top talent, you know, like Red Bull Racing in Formula One. So what, they what, what team would you see and, uh, in coming into the 2012 VF Supercar Championship uh, has had the, the most change in culture um, and, and uh, human resources perhaps? Take money out of the equation. We don't need to know about money. Who do you think is the most capable of making the change? Because I'm, I'm thinking that, that that certainly at the top end, the greatest change you're going to see in this HRT because I think Ryan Walkinshaw is is a good ste- steadying body there, and, and he's you know he's not him. Certainly, dead form off the purse. He's going to make you have to run this. Mm. It's this big. Well, they're the team that the most is, is you know. The, the most, most likely to have a, a delta. The most likely to improve and the most and the team that from which the most is expected. Back in the in the rat in the ruck in the middle in the middle order, I don't know. You know, I don't see Gary Rogers motorsport moving forward. They'll be solid, but Is that because Gary's complacent? No. You know, they're the same sponsors and oh, I'm it's getting not. older and I can't be bothered or No, it's not. I mean, you know, if, what is it? if enthusiasm won motor races, they'd be champions every year, but they just well they physically don't have the resources. As well, I said, why? It's that, well because <laughs> But if he doesn't have the money and he's getting the same yeah, money from yeah, from yeah. Cummins and, and Bale, well then why does he fuck them off and get someone else? Well he won't, because he doesn't have the results to back it up. It's chicken and the egg, what comes first? So if you get the results, you get the big or, backing. Or is it just comfort? I, this is where I'm comfortable. I don't want to drop the boat. You go, well, then listen. Well, I need more money. Has it got I, to a point? I, I kind of see where you're going, and, and you know, Gary Rogers is at heart a car salesman, and he always goes for the deal. Well, so he's a three in Britain. His team, you know, makes money. You can be certain of that. Yeah. And maybe Gary's not willing to, you know, he. Push Gary has a lifestyle further with the and put it all on, the, all on the line to make the team successful. I don't know. All I know is that you, you know, the more you have, more you know, the more experts, the more um, experienced people you have, the better the people you have. The more money you have, and the more technical, physical resources you have, the better you're going to do. And, and that's as simple as that. And that's how Triple Eight keeps winning because they have the best of everything, and it's the best run operation. Then it's you know below them until someone knocks them off, which is the aim. You're talking about FPR, HRT, and SBR squabbling amongst themselves to become the second best team. Folks, after the break. Maybe commercialise in the future. 
we'll come back and talk about changes to the development series where the jewels, jewels spring rear end has been removed and a camshaft, a control camshaft will be available mid uh, March or something like that. Will it make any difference to the series? Who knows? But from now. And we'll maybe, and maybe some tech. Tech talk. For, and you know, I love my right. tech talk. You do, and you'll get your Guernsey. But for now, a word from some possibly post 200 commercial. A word partners. from our would be sponsor. Buy me, buy me, buy me. Welcome back. Having problems making your iDevices communicate with each other, trying to make head nor tail of how you make your iPhone talk to your iPad, talk to your iShoe for all I, do, I know. Well, iShoe? Yeah, your iShoe. I wish I could iShoe you all. Yeah. Well, anyway, the guys to sort it are iSorted.com. Really? They, they are. Dot com dot au even, dot yeah. <laughs> you, you go there, they'll tell you how to make your iDevices talk to each other, do everything. I went there and actually I found out that they had a problem solver right there that all you certainly needed to do was fill out some simple uh, tick boxes here and there. They were in touch with you and all of a sudden you had your, all your iDevices syncing in harmony. I and, mean, and this, not... this all happens at I Saw Tit. You is that right? See tit. This is I oh. saw it. Oh. I saw tit. Oh, I get it. I saw tit. Oh, that's not what I didn't mean. Really? Excellent. You've been lied to, or rather misled. Yeah. Well, they're clever people at this done. website, and we use them, and they've sorted all our iDevices, even my iTube. It now talks to my iMac, my iPad, my iPhone, my iIron. My iron, actually, I should say. <laughs> my iron. It took to my iron. My iron. My iron is down yeah, there at Balmary. Yeah. Now, oh. you want to sort it? Go to isortit.com.au. Folks, oh boy. I could be Leo Laporte. Are you, could, you are the Leo Laporte of D slash U. But speaking of D slash VS, and I don't know why it is. Um, two things to report. Changes. Changes in the structure there for the, in the technical regulations, sporting regulations perhaps, I don't know, technical, where the dual shock rear ends from level one teams are now no longer to be allowed to be run in in the in that category, which may in the, a little bit the development series. What used to be the Fujitsu series. Oh my God, we don't yeah, know what it's going to be called well, this we're year. back to the development series. Yeah, they don't have a sponsor as we speak. And... Um, a control camshaft coming in, which are probably of of of, of less uh, less knowledge. That makes sense. I mean, that's all the other engines in the main game are running the control camshaft, and after some initial moaning and groaning among the teams, they've all adopted it and you know knocked the edge off some of the engines and a bit less power and some durability concerns. But it's really all sorted itself out pretty well, and um, you know it's it's one of many cost containment measures that V8 Supercars has been progressively introducing over the last several years. More will happen, they will come. It's trickled down to the DVS teams, the development series teams, and that's logical. 
you know, because they're basically running hand-me-down equipment anyway. Not quite sure, however, about the ban on the dual rear springs, which have been de rigueur in the main game for some time. Um, these parts are easily procurable. I mean, again, they become hand-me-downs. So why they've actually banned them, I'm not sure. Perhaps it's something to do with it's just the the sheer complexity of setting up that rear suspension system compared with a normal one and for the development series teams that said, well, look, you know, those guys don't need the complication, don't need the inevitable cost involved. I, I don't know. Look, the best thing we can do is to get a, a V8 supercar driver in that category on the phone and talk to us directly about uh, the problems that, 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 that they may be facing. And who would that be? Who else? Hello. Oh, viewers, uh, look, uh, Marcus Sikanovic, uh, I'd like to welcome you to the, to, to the new, slightly commercialised version of Radio Hot Lab, episode 199.92, with Leif Fogoir. Hey, Marcus. Yes, I know. Caught on the hop, eh? But, uh, we, <laughs> Marcus, we, we've been having it. We'll have, we, we, I can't let you hang around too long. I'll have to let you go shortly because we have to go down and, and deal with a bit of a bit of oyster removal and, um, uh, and, uh, and, and I've got a salad sandwich coming. But your thoughts on the changes to DVS with, um, where, with the, the dual shock rear end and camshafts? Fogues and I were interested. The changes to the development series with the dual shock rear end uh, being banned and a camshaft changes. Well, I think what they're just trying to do is trying to keep the cars as close to, well, engine-wise anyway, as close to level one as possible. Because I think you know some of the level one teams that have input into DVS series, we're using it as like a, a development Just before we let you go, thanks for that. You, you pretty much confirmed what we were discussing and clarified a few points, particularly about the rear, the double rear spring suspension. But there's been a lot of um, dissent amongst the development series teams about the involvement of um, the main game operations using the development series as a de facto testing ground. There were moves to get rid of them. Um, they're staying this year 
What do you reckon? Is it a good thing to have the likes of of Triple Eight and Walkershaw Racing, you know, running um, well, pretty serious entries in in the development series? say to me the other night that in all seriousness, um, you know, diplomacy aside, you know, you're following lots of cars around there that are running those things and uh, the, the double spring rear ends and you're just going, fuck me, they're just, just bouncing away from me out of the corner. From what you're saying, I, I, you know, clearly that I, I would have thought that double spring technology was pretty routine and available, you know, to most people in the sport. Obviously, that's not the case. things that now you, you, you're, you're become a very a keen tarmac rally uh, uh, driver and and there's been a bit there's a bit of a trauma down today down in um, Targa Rest Point um, um, oysters are involved squids what, what do you know? Oh, well, I'm not sure what's going on there. I mean, I, 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 I
aside uh, Marcus and, and, and we are having a, a joke and um, it's good to, to know that George and, and Daniel Wilson um, are okay I, Daniel's gone off for a bit of um, uh, a, a bit of a hospital checkup but this afternoon learning that he hasn't actually got a back injury look I'm sure um, when I sent a, a message off to George tonight you know, just personally rather than sending it on Facebook saying look it's a toughie mate um, don't beat yourself up uh, you know, you, you, you know, everybody who gets in these cars, they know the risks. Your dad's, uh, you know, a, a pro, and 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 he'll be he'll be a little bit cross and going, you know, you wreck my pride and joy. But you know, you're okay, and everything will be all right tomorrow. And we can do all that again. And it's really important. And and you've been through this uh, as a race driver to not wreck your mind, you know, because the, the, but suddenly. You know, it's like it's like um, a commercial television or a regular shitty newspaper. They're going to put, you know, they're going to put the uh, head-on bus crash on the front paper, the front page, as they are the the, the amazing arrival of, of, of quintuplets. And this one's a more an embarrassing one. It's sort of, it's sort of a bit, you know, it's not just a crash. It's, it's, it's sort of a bit embarrassing because his father is like legendary in that era, who has already been a winner of Target Tasmania. And 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 hey, like, folks and I were, were there at, at, at Mount Buller where I actually invited uh, uh, George to come and he won the damn event outright. So there's no question of his ability. And more than likely, it just has been a, an error of calling or an error of reading and. Um, and, 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 and no, 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 no specific fault, fault, fault blamed. It's just, you know, as tragic or rather as unfortunate as it's been, it's also a bit funny because you, you don't often see two cars in the drink with someone walking around trying to eat oysters. Well, they ended up, they ended up in an oyster bed, so you could say that they chucked it away. <laughs> yes, yes, they did chuck it away quite 
And, and you'll be happy to know that here, you know, we're prone to be wild. That... <laughs> Damn straight. Now, now, Marcus, before you go, because, you know, the seller sandwich hasn't turned up, I did have a bit of a 11, 12, 12.30am discussion. With, yeah, have another problem for yourself. Prone to be wild. Uh, prone to be wild. Um, uh, with, 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 with Jack Ellsworth, I could hear him pounding on the floor. I mean, laughing, that was. Not, I don't know, he's pounding on the floor about, but anyway. Um, and um, I, I thought, look, it's only fair that you... Having recently been awarded the um, and uh, well, I've never seen anyone uh, an official. Uh, what well, you've got the you're, you're at home. It's right there on the wall. Can you read us the airport uh, the award you've been given from Apple and perhaps you'd like like to open tech time and with a discussion about what's going on there. A few months ago, not just recently. Tell us. Racing car driver, but more importantly, Apple TV expert. Got it running around the house, house with your Bose stereo, iPads, everything. Mate, tell the viewers why they need it. setup there because it's quite impressive. Let's start with what have we got? Uh, and, and, you know, don't miss anything out, including the Cafe Series kettle. Music 
through a channel off my Bose amplifier, which then goes to my Apple TV again. I've got a channel on the back of the Bose amplifier where the Apple TV server can then stream live YouTube videos via your iPhone or your iPad and then uh, run it by, you know, all through your TV, all wirelessly, you know, all over your Wi-Fi. So it's pretty impressive setup. Look, that's absolutely wonderful, uh, Marcus. I'd like you to stay on the line as we uh, move on to the barbecue section uh, because I'm going to get the girl at the front desk to take your name and details for the consolation prize this evening. Well, he had me at hello. <laughs> oh, <he's> unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> All the other stuff, I'm very impressed, but he had me at hello. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we'll, 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 be, we'll be in touch soon, but as Jack Ellswood would say when he's getting a salad sandwich, beat it. <laughs> look, I went to I went to McDonald's the other night with Marcus, and he goes, "Look, I'd like a grill, but can I not have the bun?" <laughs> oh, they were having trouble with that. And go, "What do you want to do with those?" I'm like, "Well, just work hey, it John, out." Hey, John, my uh, my egg and lettuce sandwich, Lester egg and lettuce, has just arrived, mate. So I'm gonna have to let you go. Then, oh, George, <laughs> you're not fooling me. <laughs> He's got to go. He's got to go and watch. All right. Super. Goodbye. <laughs> See you, Marcus. Right, Dan. Enjoy the evening, and we'll chat soon. Thank okay. you, viewers. See you, viewers. Bye. A tech time bonus there. <laughs> Absolutely, a tech time bonus. Yeah. There's, just, there's far too much to do, but I think yeah. I have it, no it, idea it, what it, he did. It, 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 it's, it's time to time to finalise with with barbecuing, and we can only move on to it from last night. But mm. where viewers, I've never liked rump. Maybe it was a bad piece of rump, or it was, I don't know, a bad experience with someone, but wow, wow, wow. What did we do last night, Faith? It's only, it's only you, can, you, can, you can tell. I got roped in, and I, I, I felt, if, even if I give myself the accolades, rose to the occasion. You did indeed, Johnny, yes. We had the 50th birthday party, and we had the rump, excuse me, Chunks of chunks of rump, serious chunks. Put it on the barbecue, which was brought in for the evening. So oh, it was a pro-style barbecue. Yeah. And it was marin. It put in marinate. Mar. It was marinated. Marinated. In a marinade. In a marinade. That's right. Yes. Sorry. And the marinade. Well, actually, that's not so. There were these were large. There were four butts of beef. Rumps with a, I don't know a why really you're, nice bit of... I don't know why you're asking me about this, because you know far more than me, but go on. Well, so you might like to throw in the ancillary comment. Oh, it, just, it all tasted good. Very the nice uh, fatty edges on them, mm -hmm. um, basically in, tra in trays on the, on the burner there. With, um, rub them in some Dijon mustard and then some Murray River pink sea salt into the trays with... Um, only a, a, a bottle, 750 mils of, of a decent red. This was spatter around the three. Two, and a half, two hours later, Wowsville. Some very, very good Japanese steel knives. I can't remember the, uh, the, 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 the type of steel, but very, very good Like steel. Damascus steel. Damascus steel. Roll, roll, roll. Wow. Roll Damascus yeah. steel. Mm -hmm. But the big one didn't work. The middle one did for me. 
and there's uh, there's uh, lots Sorry, of can we have the sound effect again? I like that. You know, it's just like monkey. <laughs> and uh, wow, I uh, I didn't get to eat much of the dinner uh, because I was just inhaling little chunks as I went, and the fat was good, wasn't it? You did an excellent job. It was beautiful beef. Everyone snapped it up. It and could have gone sour though yeah, if it was done. But right. we had and we had it again for lunch. And it was excellent. It was even yeah, as a Thai based salad yeah. with a little bit of a ooh, a magic touch of yeah. coriander. You are indeed a chef extraordinaire, Hardy. I've got to tell you. Oh, I guess time we have to leave the viewers. Yeah. That's an oh, we, didn't talk, we didn't tell them about for the V8 fans about the. Uh, the maelstrom going on at DJR and no, Paul Morris Motorsport. Yes, it's there's a bit of a bitch and man. And in fact, your 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 own magazine has been slandered. My organ. It's terribly. My organ. Like, with the, there's, with there's, apparently is not even suitable to be rubbing your under organ. No, that's right. Yes. What's Paul going Morris on there? Reacted badly when the Auto Action magazine asked him what was going on. And he basically said that the magazine, he wouldn't talk to us because the magazine wasn't even worth wiping his bottom with. <laughs> Which is quite interesting because Has he got the a whole problem? scenario of um, Paul Morris contributing to the new four-car super team, that is Dick Johnson Racing, um, you know, we wrote about two months ago and pretty much had a peg. At the time, consistently, Paul Morris, when we spoke to him, when I spoke to him, denied that anything was going on, that he was still pressing ahead with plans to run a two-car team, which was patently not true. We all knew what was going on. Is it patently or plainly? No, patently. Well, same. Anyway, it all came out in the wash and, not totally confirmed yet, but we know what's happening, DJR Dick Johnson Racing is running four cars. They've suddenly joined the ranks of the so-called super team. In fact, well, along with Kelly Racing, they're the only team running four cars. So they'll run their two main entries for Stephen Johnson, who's got a job for life there, of course. James Moffat, who is one of the um, you know, surprise stars of last year. Um, well, it's surprising how he managed to get himself into pit lane at Homebush. <laughs> no, he did well. Yeah, he did much better than anyone expected um, for his first season. No, 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 hang on. on. I like James. I really do. Um, go back a long way from the Utes and stuff and, and, uh, and earlier, you know, for, but it, the uh, the argy-bargy on the first lap, uh, oh, yeah, well, yeah, no, that, yeah, was, a that bit, was that was a bit odd. Yeah, but that was confused when half half the field decides to start on the grid and the rest of the field decides to start. Yeah, but we talked about this lane. before, folks. Well, you and I haven't been in the same. He got uh, uh, no, he got screwed there. He was told to go by the team, and he ended just up just pushing and looked it, like a yeah. dick. But he looked like a dick. On yeah, the he did. But he's a good lad. And he's yeah, I like him a lot. And he's actually shown a lot more promise last year. Not that we didn't think he didn't have promise, but he just showed it a lot sooner. Anyway, he's running his... Steve Johnson will run with the new Jim Beam Racing livery. James Moffat's car will be in the colours of... PC problems. Norton 360, yeah. Not eyesore tit. No, it's right. And no window. I mean, Macintosh, because there's no problems on there. No. Norton 360 do do a... They, they, they do have an antivirus program for Max. Even though they don't have a problem solver. Like Not I so saw. much, no. And then the other card, Dean Fiore is uh, moving his operation across to Dick Johnson Racing as a customer. Dick DJR will run his car. That will have Jim Beam's 
responsive as well. And the fourth car, this has been the contentious one, it will be one of Paul Morris's licences transfers to Dick Johnson Racing. It's run under a customer relationship, just like Rod Nash Racing at FPR. It will be driven by Steve Owen with VIP Pet Food sponsorship. And the deal with Paul Morris is he's, you know, he's shut down Paul Morris Motorsport, you know, after many years of underachievement and getting absolutely nowhere, finally read the signs. So he's transferred one licence to be run by DJR, kept the VIP sponsorship from Tony Quinn, which made you get really after last year's bag of non-results. The other licence that Paul Morris Motorsport had, or in fact, to be technically correct, Nemo Racing, um, which is an operation actually owned by Paul's father, Terry Morris, that's been leased to Steve Webb, to Jonathan Webb's Techno Autosports team to run their second car, uh, which will be driven by Michael Patrizzi. Uh, yes, I'm not joking, that's true. But what is... The, the, what, Stig, the Stig is making a comeback to V8 racing. Oh, your mate. And, uh, no, no, that's Ben Collins. No, the, the other V8 drivers cruelly dubbed oh, yes. Michael Patrizzi the Stig. Yeah, yes, yes, cruelly. They did. So he's going there with a bag of loot, and that license is being leased by the Webs in 2012 on a lease buy deal. So the, the presumption of the deal is that at the end of the year they'll buy the license. So Paul Morris at the end of the year will, will be left with at least one license. He may end up selling that. Or in fact, more likely he will sell it to Dick Johnson Racing because DJR next year we'll need a new licence to replace the one that Charlie Schwerkopf, the former co-team owner, will, will be taking back because and he's been leasing, he's been leasing, it's all confusing, but he's been leasing as part of their separation deal at the end of 2010, very ugly, he leased his licence, his half share of the team, back to the team and he'll, he'll take possession of it at the end of 2012, Charlie Schuercott, and he plans to run his own team. But the question... Possibly with a new folks. manufacturer. The question beckons, folks, is what was it that caused Paul Morris to have such an uppity negative comment towards AA? Why well, saying that the... I don't know. Grisha would be unsuitable for use with the well, magazine. Well, that... But yeah, but that's obvious, because it's a glossy publication. If you've ever... Oh. If you've ever tried to wipe your bottom with a glossy with glossy paper, it just doesn't work anyway. So he's stating the obvious. But no, I don't know what arced him up. I have no idea. But you know, he was being economical with the truth, shall we say, late last year, because everyone knew in the pit lane that he was negotiating to do deals with his licences and wasn't going to continue. So why he's so upset? I have no idea. And you know what? I don't care. And on that note, good evening, viewers. You've just been watching, or you've just missed, Radio Hot Lab. And I'd just like to say a personal thank you to our possible sponsors in... Such as I Sort It. (laughs) Super Sally Salad Muncher. Bandwidth provided by anyone who will. And what's this one called? Swords. Swine. Sword swine. Yes, no. Swords wine swing pop. No, we're off it we're open to offers, people, so And Tabasco. If you've got money and you want to spend it, 
Give us a call. Could get specifically phones. Yeah. Not me. Okay. Because I'll not know what to do. Can I keep my calling to you? You can. Actually, there's one over here. Prone to be wild. Yeah.